Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. If you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and happy Monday. I hope you're all well, and you're starting into this new week with a lot of swing, and you're well-rested from the weekend, and you're ready to tackle another week and have some small goals to accomplish this week, maybe. I have an amazing guest for you today. Her name is Kanan Tekchandani, and she's from the UK, as you can hear from her beautiful accent. And she is a fellow tidying consultant, but she also does meditation and mindfulness yoga practice, and she's a relationship coach. And she also is an adult living on the autism spectrum. So she's creating and raising awareness around the topic of autism and ADHD and neurodivergence in general. And I believe she's also one of the gifted adults. So I'm super happy she agreed to join and come on this show. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. So Without further ado, let's just dive right into it. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Welcome, Kanan. So great to have you. Thank you for having me, Nadia. I already looked a little bit into your website, and it seems you're a little bit like me, a multipotentialite. You do so many different things, and it seems like you have a very, very interesting story. Would you like to start sharing your whole journey? Who are you and how and when did you find out you are not a neurotypical person? Okay, yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to start with when I had my first son and he's 13 now. So when he was a, a young child, when he was a toddler, I always knew there was something a bit different. He was very good at school and everyone thought he was very polite, but we saw a different person at home. So I would take him to the doctor and get his hearing tested, ask at school, and there was nothing picked up. But as a as a parent, I knew there was something. Couldn't quite pinpoint it. So I had to go into this investigation journey myself. And that's when I kind of thought, okay, I think he's got ADHD. But no one else saw it so I wasn't getting any support so I decided to just go and empower myself to help my family so I did a lot of reading and learning about autism and ADHD and then I got trained as a yoga teacher for children with autism and ADHD and it was great and then I started sharing that with other children and then I found 
Marie Kondo, who you know. <laughs> and I, I decluttered my whole house at the same time and I realized, wow, this is so helpful. It made life a lot easier. There was a lot, lot less pressure and I just found I had more time to focus on my family and, and our well-being. So doing those from my son, I ended up setting up two little businesses, one as a, a yoga teacher and one as a declutterer. And although they didn't seem to have any connection, I knew that they were helpful. So I carried on trying to offer that to other people. And then I ended up getting some life coaching and that just changed everything for me. You know, in a, f- a few short sessions, I just saw things very differently and, and life changed. I also had the privilege to spend time with a Buddhist monk and trained in mindfulness and meditation. So all these things came together and just created this change in my life, the way I perceive my life and my family. Uh, you know, it used to be really challenging in terms of the behavior of my son at home. And then also the way I was parenting him with my partner. So we also had a, a second child and the, all these dynamics were really difficult to kind of manage. But with all those tools, it just made life a lot easier and, and we could be happy, we could be well. And then my son was finally diagnosed about three, four years ago. And it was actually autism, which really surprised me because I could have sworn it was ADHD. And then I went down this, you know, another rabbit hole of researching autism even more, particularly in adults. And that's when I realized, oh, I think I'm autistic. (laughs) But I hadn't realized by that stage I was in my 40s. And I kind of, through my yoga and mindfulness meditation, I I knew myself quite well. I'd been on that journey, turning inwards and looking at myself. So it wasn't that big a shock to think, oh, okay, I identify as autistic. But then I started hanging out in, during lockdown, various Facebook groups that supported people with ADHD and autism. And I could see how unhappy and really disempowered so many of them were, whether it's as an adult themselves experiencing that or whether they were parents or a partner. And I just saw this huge gap in what was possible for neurodivergence and neurodiverse families. And what so many of them were experiencing was all this this suffering, emotional suffering and just confusion, misunderstanding, not really knowing themselves and how they fit in the world. And that's when I decided to pivot my service to become a specialist ADHD and ASC coach so that I could specifically help my what was now I realized my people. So I also knew that People around me wouldn't probably believe me when I said I was autistic because I'm pretty good at talking and I can hold eye contact, stuff like that. So I went and got assessed just purely so that I could prove to people, look, I fit this diagnostic criteria, even though you may think that autism looks something like someone visibly disabled or perhaps like Rain Man, which was what I grew up with, and hence why I never ever thought, oh, maybe I'm autistic. And I think that's something that needs to be noted because there's a whole generation of people that would not even consider that maybe they're autistic because that's the image they've got in their head. That's the stereotype that we've grown up with. And not through necessarily anyone's fault, but maybe there just wasn't enough awareness and education around it. So part of my my mission is also to try and raise awareness. And, I, you know, being being autistic, it doesn't necessarily come naturally to me to speak out loud to the world, but it's also my special interest. So as an autistic, you know, we, we do have these special interests that we, we just cannot drop <laughs> and we can't stop spending hours and hours on. And so because neurodiversity is my special interest, it's really given me the, the strength to just speak up and and share about this so that other people who may be neurodivergent can identify themselves and accept themselves and love themselves in all the different ways. Uh, because it's, I think the key has been when you accept yourself, life changes. When you're not trying to struggle and fit in with a neurotypical world and you just be yourself, life just becomes so much easier. So, yeah. So I could <laughs> I could probably talk for ages <laughs> So do interrupt me. <laughs> no, that's why we're here. I, oh, I love everything you said so far. And I could see so many like parallels in in our journey. And 
the last bit that you said, like why it's important. And I think that's also from neurotypicals or people around me when I, I got into this topic of, of giftedness and then ADHD and the whole neurodiversity topic, then people are like, why, why does it matter? Why do you need to know? Like you're almost 40. Why does it matter now to have an ADHD diagnosis? Like you manage life so far, like what does it, how does quality of life improve? And you already like touched a little bit on that. I think um, I'd like to say that the reason why I think it's so important is because when I didn't know much about adults with uh, a neurodivergent brain, what I didn't realize was when I was working with certain people that, you know, for long periods of time, I was questioning how come, how can we just have this relationship which is very comfortable where they can open up. So I was helping people who maybe had anxiety, depression, disorganization in their life, problems with relationships, you know, and not feeling understood or just lack of harmony. And it's these things, that's what can happen when you don't realize why you're behaving the way you're behaving. And so I'm not trying to necessarily change anyone's behavior, but I just want to shine a light on who they are so that when they have the awareness, they've got a choice in how they interact with other people in their lives. So it is it's really important. And also when you, when you know yourself better, it means you can make better choices so that you can reach your potential, right? Yeah, I, I really resonate with that. It's so important for people to know, even if it sounds scary in the beginning, like, oh, it's a label. And also for parents that are shy to get their kids evaluated or assessed that they think, oh, I don't want my child to have a label and be like stamped or put into a, a box. But I I believe it probably helps children. It's not their whole identity, obviously, but just to know why in certain situations they struggle more or they need to, yeah, have different needs, right? And if you have a language for it, you can actually express it. Exactly. And, and you know, it's kind of the difference is they can either struggle through school and life or they can be in flow with their nature. Mm. And so if a parent knows their nature, rather than trying to fit them into the way society wants them to fit in, life just becomes so much easier for the child and for the whole family. And, you know, this is all we have day to day. It's, it's our experience of life, isn't it? So if we, don't, if we don't intervene earlier, that's a lot of years of going through conflict and sadness and frustration for both parties you know and that's I, I just see that as unnecessary and it's just because of lack of knowledge and I guess yes the sad thing is that that lack of understanding has meant that we are given one perception one picture of what neurodiversity might mean and I do feel there's more negativity around it than positivity and that that's a real shame because then that like you said it puts parents off from kind of going for an assessment because it's kind of a label, as you've said, and the label is more often than not stigmatized. I think there's a shift going on at the moment. That's how I feel that a lot of people now, adults that are successful are speaking up about it and sharing that they have a diagnosis. But there's been so long that it's been looked upon as a really kind of negative or, you know, this this is the end of your hopes and dreams kind of thing. And actually, I think it's the beginning. It's the beginning of potential. Yeah. And I would like to talk a little bit more about the stereotypes and the stigma. As you said, like when I guess even two years ago, if somebody told me or said the word autism, you know, the rainman pops into your mind. Uh, the same is for gifted people, right? The, the first word pops in is maybe Einstein and it's all male <laughs> and they're all, they're all white. And so, and, and also ADHD, it's usually, you know, little boys that act out. And so a lot of girls and especially also kids or people of color don't get identified and you say you only realized in your 40s that you're actually autistic and 
could you just say a little bit like what were the things you could relate to that you did research on? Because you said, I like to talk, I can hold eye contact. But yeah, yeah. for me, so the way I, I now understand that I fit into that tribe is that I can socialize, but it doesn't come naturally. So for example, if I'm talking to someone one-to-one, that's a lot easier and manageable. Now, if you then, if that person is then neurodivergent, it's a, a very good experience because I feel like we understand each other and we could talk for quite a long time. Whereas if it was a neurotypical person, I'd probably struggle a bit more because I'm concentrating on, okay, how do I do the small talk and make them feel comfortable? So that's in a small, you know, one-to-one situation. When I'm in a big group, it becomes really overwhelming. So again, looking at it in a social perspective, that I do not feel comfortable. It's really hard work. I can do it, but it's like a lot of effort. I have to really concentrate. I really have to try and make it smooth. So it, it doesn't come naturally. Doesn't mean I can't do it. You know, after 40 years of practice, you can do anything, right? <laughs> but it's a lot of effort. And and so the question then becomes, you know, should I be doing it at all? Because it's draining my energy and my energy could be used more helpfully in, in some other way. So when you put me in a group of people who want to learn, that's totally different. You know, I'm energized by that because I'm able to share something I'm interested in. Then it's not difficult. I actually, I really, you know, love that. I love sharing knowledge and I love to help people live better lives. So that becomes easy or easier at the very least. Then things like sensitivity, that's something that was uh, apparent to me in terms of the overwhelm of external stimuli. So I didn't really notice this for a long time. And it was only when I read about it that I noticed it. So examples would be, I can smell things that people can't smell. So for example, we had a, a, a downstairs cloakroom with a toilet and I used to smell something in that room that no one else could smell and it wasn't like a crazy smell like it wasn't obvious but I could just constantly smell it low level and it used to really drive me mad for months and we eventually got down to the reason that there was a smell it was because when the builders come and root on our home one of them hadn't capped off one of the sewer branches so there was this smell that was coming in but no one else could smell it so I could smell that I was very hypersensitive to the smell and and on the flip side of it you know like right now I've got candle burning because that just makes the room feels calm and I I just feel really happy um noise noise I is so powerful to me you know I'm so sensitive to it if if I'm listening to really lovely calming music or very uplifting music, my whole energy changes. If I'm out with in a restaurant or, you know, when I used to go to a nightclub, wow, it was so overwhelming, but I just thought, oh, it's just noisy. Not realizing that other people probably didn't think it was that noisy and they were enjoying it. So this sensitivity is around sight, scent, taste, touch you know like I can't stand labels in my clothes I have to cut them out if there's a tiny little bit of thread I can feel it so it's things like this that you don't really I think most people don't talk about with you know it doesn't come up in conversation it's when you start looking at these little things that you kind of know okay right that fits into that criteria actually sensitivity what else uh I guess the way we think you know the thinking out of the box thinking differently to the rest of the world and and almost the need to question everything just because you know it's we're being told this who says that's correct kind of thing (laughs) I don't you get this (laughs) yeah yeah very much and also yeah this need for answers or why 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 and in neurotypical world this can also yeah or as a child you know it's like because I said so <laughs> yeah wasn't that frustrating though like you know, that's so frustrating when someone says it just is because I think it feels to me from my experience that we're naturally curious mm. to investigate and, and know for ourselves how it works 
or what's possible. One of the things that really really is a shame is that I ask my kids, do you enjoy school? I ask all kids, you know, that I, that I come into, come across, do you enjoy school? And so many of them say, no, I hate school. And I ask the why. And they always pretty much say it's because it's boring or the teachers are not so great. So it's, it's that thing about stimulation. They want to be stimulated and they're not. Mm-hmm. And that that's, you know, learning is about, sort of stimulating the child to want to learn for themselves. But if you're told, no, it just is this, memorize it. That's, I think there's a certain skill that's not being valued there, you know, and, and that natural curiosity isn't being encouraged, which is a real shame. Yeah. And from what I gather now is that a lot of the gifted children or children, you know, that, that are actually very able and, and highly intelligent they're not the good students, exactly as you say. They question, they question the teacher, they question the, the way of being taught. And so there is a difference between high achievers and you know the gifted brain. And and some of the, the gifted people, they start university and then they they realize this is not what they mm. actually thought it would be, and they're not getting stimulated that they drop out of university, out of school. So, and again, there's this stigma or this prejudice that if you're gifted, if you're intelligent, you'll figure it out. Like you don't need any additional tasks or any stimuli from the outside through school. And so there's a lot of parallels. And I think there's also a lot of overlaps. I think, you know, the the key there is that there's a need that's not being met in that child. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that they can't, get through necessarily it's it's just that there's this huge need for their brain wants to investigate and and grow and so if you're in a situation where you're limited then that's quite painful actually because a, a need is it's not something you want you actually need it it's essential it's kind of like breathing you need it So I do question that. And I don't think necessarily that, not in the UK anyway, the system is set up for us so well. Because as you say, when you question things, it's not necessarily seen as a good thing. (laughs) It's kind of, you should be sitting quietly and listening because we know better. Um, And yet my experience watching my children, my, my eldest is very good at computing, just like his dad. And at school, he loves computing but more often than not, he's done a lot of the things that have been taught. And so he'll spend the end, you know, the end of the class kind of going around helping the other children or sometimes suggesting things to the teacher. And so the teacher's like, wow, great, you know, I'll share this with everyone. So, you know, that's kind of the wrong way around, I think, you know, <laughs> the, the child should be allowed to be led as well as be able to lead others. So we often try to look outside of school for ways to stimulate them and so I think if you can do that it's helpful because as long as you're feeding that need in some way it might not necessarily be coming through the school yeah at school I I hear a lot of you know children that the behaviors that are being expressed really from frustration and a lot of anxiety you know not not understanding and That's not a good way for a child to live. You know, this is why we have so many mental health problems, I believe, out there. Yeah. Oh, I have so many many questions, so many thoughts that have to process. I love this conversation. But I want to tie it back a little bit around you working with the adults in your sphere, because I feel there's resources for children and people really targeting kids or parents. and a lot like you, through their children, they realize about themselves. So I really want to give a space then for the adults, the parents. And if you don't have children, you might never find out if you don't come across this topic by by coincidence. Yeah, sure. And this is exactly why I chose to go down the route of working with adults, Mm. primarily, because before I was working as, you know, I was teaching yoga and mindfulness to kids at school. Many of them would be autistic or ADHD or just simply anxious, highly anxious. But like you've just said, I started realizing that although there's not masses of support, 
there's more support for children and parents. And there's this, like I said earlier, there's this huge generation of adults that never even knew what neurodiversity was, never would have even read about it, would not have been diagnosed. And they've gone through life experiencing a lot of like low self-esteem, low self-confidence, broken relationships, you know, ill health, because all of that, it always manifests in the body one way or another. Things like headaches, fibromyalgia, like chronic fatigue, you know, and the, the damage is long lasting. So I saw that, yeah, there's these adults that, one, they don't even know what neurodiversity is. Two, that they probably wouldn't want to go for an assessment necessarily because the stigma around it. And also, number three, if you do in this country want to go for an assessment, there's a pretty big waiting list, you know, we're talking years. So you'd have to go privately. And so there takes a bit of a leap, I guess, to want to do that. You've got to be pretty sure. And yeah, and then even after the diagnosis, there's complete lack of support. You know, where where do you turn for strategies that actually work to change your life for the better and that's when I realized oh my gosh all the things I've done all the things I've learned that I've gone through that and I'm this is why I'm here I've got the evidence that it works because I'm happy I feel very fulfilled I consider myself successful you know I've got a happy family happy relationship this is possible for all those people that haven't got to that stage yet and I can help them get there. And that, for me, that's really fulfilling. And that's why I, I want to do that. It means that I can help others who were in the same situation I was a few years ago just progress so much faster. So they're not wasting any more of their life because time is so short in this this life, right? It is. And I love, I think we have a similar approach. Or for me, it was also, I, I got into the tidying and then into this whole field of giftedness and neurodivergence and now I'm like oh I can actually combine this this makes so much sense and you also with yoga mindfulness practice you're a relationship coach and you're a tidying coach you do wellness for the whole individual we're a whole being you know whether whether you've only got one aspect that you need support in. At the end of the day, if you're struggling a lot, and I think that's when people reach out, right? They've hit a point where they can't do it themselves. And I just see so many ways in, right? And that's why all these different methods work. And it's just about picking, you know, which one is it that you need right now? Because every little change I see improves someone's life. So what is your speciality as a relationship coach? Like how do I need to picture this or how can neurodivergent people profit from working with you? Ah, Okay. So the the interesting thing was, so I did my uh, training as a life coach. It was Core 100. So it was Tony Robbins and Chloe Madanes. And it wasn't for neurodiverse families. It was just for everyone, right? I mean, neurodiverse means all brain types anyway, doesn't it? So it covers neurotypicals. But what I realized when I you know, identified as neurodivergent, I realized that there's a difference in the way neurotypicals and neurodivergents speak in a way and the way they interact. And so clients in the past have had these problems because they didn't understand each other. So one major part of what I can offer that other coaches can't or counsellors can't offer is that I can speak both languages in a sense and I can then translate and be a bridge for them and that is really important because it's not that the intention and the love isn't there in a relationship the problem is this misunderstandings build up between them and when they're not cleared you know like clutter in a house when they're not cleared it becomes a problem right it becomes a big headache a baggage and what you're experiencing all the time. So when they work with me, both feel understood and know that both of their needs are going to get met. And all I need to do is translate for them in a very calm, safe space. Whereas if they're trying to do it on their own, obviously if they could have overcome it, they would have. It's not from lack of trying. A lot of the time they've gone for relationship counselling, but the relationship counsellor is not neurodivergent. So they can only see it from one aspect. And, you know, one client said to me, you know, we've been for relationship counselling and it made things worse. 
because the counsellor was kind of biased towards one side or the other. And that's no good because a relationship is two people, right? So you need to make sure that both people are heard and both people's needs are met. And that's where I see that I come in differently is that I don't know that many people who understand both worlds. Wow. I love it. I haven't really thought about it in this way, but this makes total sense to really be a bridge between different variants of how brains work and how people communicate. I always see myself as a translator between the scientists and management and administration because they speak the same language, but it's not the same language, right? (laughs) Different words have different meanings. And so... I think this is amazing. So I would like to ask you about the tidying aspect, because that's something obviously I fell in love with as well. And you mentioned something that you discovered Marie Kondo, and then it changed your life. May I ask, there's two types of people that become tidying coaches, the ones that were always tidy, and it came natural to them, and they love doing other people's structure and tidying. And then there's the other ones that actually struggled all their life keeping some sort of tidy space and then they figure out this method or a method and then they want to help others so may I ask which category do you fall into I would say I love to have a calm tidy space I definitely not extreme I I love minimalism but I can't live in a minimalist house purely because of you know the rest of my family so I, th- I kind of have a more laid back, tidy, I guess. I think the the key for me is if everything has a home and it just makes life easier, that's the main goal, you know. So for me, I've always wanted a tidy, clean, minimal home. And it sometimes needed, you know, when you have kids, the toys just build up, right? <laughs> and when you live with someone else, you have to respect that it's also their home as well. So really, I think it, what I naturally enjoy had started disappearing a little bit amongst everyone else's needs. So I just needed someone to kind of give me a guidance when it came to, it's not just me. I've got all these other people that I've got to interact with. How can we live more harmoniously in terms of the space that we own? And I did try, you know, I tried to help my family declutter and it worked to an extent. And then I had a big realization, which Mary does say in her book anyway, about, you know, you shouldn't really tidy anyone else's stuff. It's their stuff. You just tidy your own stuff. So that's what I did. And I just role modeled it. I just kept my things tidy, compartmentalized their things. And, you know, they started following suit. So 100%, it's about being true to yourself and looking after your own stuff. And then that enables you to be a model for the rest of the people in your world. Whether they want to follow you or not is their choice. But I believe that they could see the benefits. So they just naturally followed. (laughs) So, yeah, just thinking about my past career, I was a buyer of men's clothing And part of that job was partly scheduling and critical paths to make sure that everything arrived on time and all the different dates were hit on time. But we also had to manage huge amounts of clothing, you know, categories of clothing, and we had to organize them in this space. And you had to be able to find things very quickly. So I just loved the fact that everything had a system and it had a home even though the volume was quite crazy. You know, we're talking about thousands of different units. Uh, so I, I think I've, I've got a natural tendency towards that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people, they start their tidying journey because they want to have a tidy home, a calm surrounding. And well, for me, at least, I was kind of naive starting with my sock drawer and realize, oh my God, there's so much that comes out and it's really facing yourself and your values and who are you and who am I want to be. And it, and I think reading through your website, you also, it's not so much about the tidying. The physical tidying outcome is obviously beautiful and helpful, but the whole journey is also very special. Do you want to share a little bit about what can tidying bring to somebody's life? 
Yeah, I mean, the word journey is exactly it, right? It's kind of a journey into who you are and how you got here. And is it where you wanted to be? (laughs) And that allows you then to be a bit more intentional with the rest of your life because you're choosing what you want for your future now. It might be via your belongings, but the thought process is the same, isn't it? It's kind of saying, this is the life that I want to lead. Will these objects that surround me support me to reach that and live that life? Or is it holding me back? And so, yeah, you kind of have to go through your whole life to realize what is aligned to you and what isn't. What were things that other people gave to you or put upon you that you couldn't say no to at one point, but now you have a choice to say, no, this isn't right for me and it's okay. You're not being rude. You're not trying to be horrible. It's just you're trying to look after yourself so that when you're at your best, it means you can give the world your best as well. And that's all the people in your life, right? Oh, I love the way you're phrasing it is how I feel and think, but cannot put it into those beautiful <laughs> words. <laughs> you said it, you said it perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah, really choosing where you want to go and who you want to be, and then letting go of all the rest. And I think for me, especially before doing the Marie Kondo method, that thought never occurred to me. I I didn't even know that tidying is a skill you can learn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I thought that was something you're either born with or not, (laughs) like this tidying mindset. (laughs) Well, I think it is definitely a muscle that one that you can exercise. And when I've worked with people that have undiagnosed, I'd say undiagnosed neurodiversity, the executive dysfunction does mean that they are not able to be tidy. It's not because they don't want to be, but because of the way the brain is wired, they need a bit of external help to figure out the steps. And that's where we kind of come in, isn't it? We can break it down, make it achievable for them. It's not that they don't want to do it. It's just that they can't do it on their own. But once you've taught them the skill and they do it over and over again, they then do have the skill and the ability. So it's not a one-off thing, is it? It's not, you you know, you come in, do it for them, and then you're gone. I know some organizers do work like that, but that's not how I see it. I see it as you want to teach them a skill that they can carry for life. Yes, absolutely. And I also think, again, that was probably also my understanding. I was always a little bit ashamed. I'm like, well, I'm actually doing quite well in school. Like, I'm quite smart. Why can't I not keep my house tidy? And I was just, I I didn't realize, probably I knew, I thought I need more storage space or a bigger home, but actually you just need less stuff (laughs) first and then you can fit it all into your existing drawers. So yeah, breaking it down into bite-sized and really giving an approach of where do you actually start if the whole house is already in turmoil, there's a way to start without being overwhelmed. And then when you think there's the tidy people and then there's the untidy people and then what comes to mind is messy, which is a whole other mental health issue and what we're talking about here if you have ADHD you're not you're not a messy you're basically just as you say executive functioning where you really need a little bit more of the guidance Mm. and but you know being part of the association of professional declutterers and organizers in the UK there are people with hoarding challenges and yes often they are people who have ADHD or autism Mm -hmm. and I believe it's because of a long-term challenge that it's led to that severity you know so I often wonder you know if someone had intervened earlier maybe these things wouldn't have happened not saying that that's the only reason because you know there's lots of reason why hoarding may happen but you know I just think the earlier people get a bit of support the less likely things will escalate and I really love talking to you and creating awareness, you know, not just for giftedness and autism and ADHD, but also creating awareness that there are people out there that help you tidy your own home. As you said, you can hire somebody that comes in and rearranges things beautifully. 
it might not have a long lasting effect. <laughs> then there's people like us that come and help you and coach you through the process of doing this yourself. But I think there's still, and I think there's cultural differences in the US. I think it's more likely to ask for such help and support. Whereas here, I think in Switzerland, still, and especially the German speaking world, where there's more of a shame factor having to ask for help in your own household. Yeah. But just so that people know, you can actually call somebody and have a, a chat first to see if working together will actually help and improve your quality of life. <laughs> there's definitely no need to feel ashamed because there's lots of people that have this problem. I think because it's not spoken about. You know, that's the issue. But the strength in reaching out and asking for help. And, you know, that's how we can change things. We're, we're not meant to do everything on our own. You know, we are connected. There's lots of people who want to help. So it's just about finding the right person that you feel comfortable with. Because, yes, it is very private stuff. And it is, you know, inviting someone to your home is not, yeah, that comfortable. So you have to feel that you trust them and that you feel safe with them for sure. Yeah. And you don't have to tidy first before somebody comes. No, <laughs> yes, they often say that I, I must tidy up before you come. <laughs> yeah. so you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. So if somebody feels they want to work with you or get to know you a little bit more, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me via my website. So that's www.aspicoach.com or they can find me on Facebook. If they type in Aspie Coach or they can type in Canan Tech as my handle and they can find me there. Perfect. And is there anything else you would like to share? Is there anything you think is important for people to know or something you wish you knew earlier? I, I guess I just want people to know that actually being neurodivergent is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the end of the world initially but it's kind of like grieving you know you 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 go through this process and it is possible if you surround yourself with the right people and the right mindset you can use this to your advantage and flourish and thrive but if you are kind of left to medical professionals not all of them but more often than not because of exactly as you said the data the research that's based on is more, more often white males then you maybe get a less supportive response <laughs> so look for the support yourself as well don't just rely on what you might get medically because we are a whole being and it's important to look at all aspects and connect with people who are like-minded that makes a big difference yeah and we're out there they're out there right <laughs> oh Oh, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure getting to know you, speaking to you, and I hope we're staying connected. And Sure, thank you so much, Nadja. It was really interesting. I love having these interesting conversations with like-minded people, so thanks for having me. And yeah, for sure, we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye. 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 Every time I re-listen to those interviews when I edit them, I'm so amazed of these beautiful conversations that I'm having. And I feel so blessed being able to make connections with these amazing human beings around the world, sharing the passion for the similar work that I'm trying to do here and raising awareness and just trying to help somebody else figure out who they are so that they can live their best life. And that by knowing who they are, increasing their quality of life tremendously. And it really is empowering. And then also sharing all these tools like learning how to tidying. It sounds really stupid in a way, but it can really transform somebody's life. And so if you feel you would like to start your own tidying journey, I'm encouraging you to do so. And if you feel intimidated by this task, please reach out to a consultant that can help you. And especially in the field of non-neurotypical, there are a few consultants out there that you can 
connect with. So this is also what I'm here for. I'm really trying to create resources and a repository for you to go and seek your own personal arsenal of coaches, consultants, and mentors. I will also want to use this opportunity to share with you that Canaan is actually looking for participant for a small research project that she's doing. It's called 100 Soul Sisters, and she is interviewing 100 intelligent women who are successful in their line of work and business, but overwhelmed and or anxious by day-to-day life. There are two intentions for her research. Firstly, she would like to understand better the specific challenges experienced by those who think and feel differently to most people. And secondly, also to identify those whose challenges might possibly be due to them being neurodivergent but do not know it. Everything will be confidential and the information will help her with an online course that she is co-creating for autistic girls so that they can receive appropriate interventions at an earlier age, as well as her coaching services for adults. So in exchange for your time and help, she is offering you a thank you mini coaching session. And to book a market research call with her, please contact her via her website or her Facebook page. And this is all provided into the show note links. So please feel free to reach out to her and support her in her endeavor. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm still, I would say, a lay person. And I still feel like an imposter talking about this topic. When I first learned about this, I was like, oh, I need to go and study psychology. I have no clue. But then again, me going on this journey as a layperson and reaching out and really sifting through the whole vast amount of information and just picking people and just curating guests for you that can offer for you answers. I hope I'm doing you a favor by doing so. And I hope you also forgive me if I use terms and words sometimes interchangeably where they should not be used in that way or if I use them incorrectly in the beginning because I'm also here learning and figuring out what are the difference and the nuances and there's also changes in how people say certain things and I do want to be obviously respectful and not using the wrong terms but I also cannot let my fear of saying something wrong just be silent. (laughs) So for me, I have obviously imposter syndrome and also there's this underlying perfectionism that I want to get this right the first time I do it, but it is a learning process for me too. And so I hope you bear with me if this is a little bit more of a rocky start in the beginning, but we're learning together and I hope we're improving together. And it is really a pleasure hearing all of the feedback. So people reach out to me sharing how their lives have been touched by listening to those episodes that I'm creating. And this really energizes me to keep going. So please reach out. You can find me on unleashmonday.com. And actually, my friend Liz has been working on the background and has redesigned my website a little bit. And it looks beautiful. So go have a look at the new design. I also have a new podcast cover if you have seen. So this is really a little bit more of a brand and a beautiful experience for us all. So I hope you like it and leave a comment on the website. You can also email me directly at hello at unleashmonday.com and you can find me on Instagram at unleash.monday. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter, but I must say social media is quite a bit overwhelming and I do really love getting your emails and so that might be the very best way for you to connect or directly on the website. So thank you so much for tuning in and Again, if you have enjoyed this episode, if this podcast has given you anything, you can 
leave a review. And the best way to do that is if you go on Apple Podcasts and you can click on the five stars. And then when you scroll all the way down, you can leave a written review. If more and more people like it and comment on the podcast, then the algorithm shows it to other people that might be interested in this topic and that could profit from this topic. So that's basically why I'm asking you to subscribe, like, rate it and leave a written review. And I saw that Apple is actually changing the layout and the user experience of Apple Podcasts. So I'm actually very curious to see those changes implemented. So that will be a nice new experience. So with that said, I'm wishing you a very good start into the week. Have a wonderful day and I see you in two weeks. Bye.